0: Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host,
1: Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch
0: dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl! Welcome, friends. We are so glad you are listening today to our conversation about dismantling diet culture for future generations. We're talking with Jennifer D'Amato. Today's episode is brought to you by our membership. If you are ready to invest in your faith-based intuitive eating journey and invest in relationships with like-minded Christian women, then come join us. You can try your first month for just a dollar. To learn more and join, head over to intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. Now, let me introduce you to our guest today. Jennifer D'Amato is a certified intuitive eating counselor, coach, and mom of four daughters, and it is her passion and purpose to help women make peace with food, stop the restriction overeat cycle, and change generations to come. She spent years struggling with disordered eating, missing out on countless important moments, and confusing her daughter's relationship with food. Now, not only does she have a peaceful relationship with all foods, but she has passed this piece on to her daughters and helps other women to do the same. Jennifer is also the host of the Intuitive Eating Mama podcast. Before we jump into this episode with Jennifer, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good.
1: Okay, John, welcome to the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. We can't wait to hear all about your story.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm honestly honored
1: and excited, like
2: all at the same time. (laughs)
1: Awesome. So we love to just get right into the meat. We want to hear your food story, your God story, take us back to whichever starts first, let them intertwine and just (laughs) let us get to know you a little bit.
2: I love it. I love it. Well, I, I was raised going to church, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. That came later for me. And it was all because this really cute boy who I really, really liked was like, Hey, (laughs) if we're going to pursue this, I need this to be a priority for you. And I was like... Oh my gosh, I don't want to lose this amazing man. I don't know what he's talking about, but okay, I'm in. Thankfully, I married that man. We've been married for 21 years now. We have four daughters. Um, so, best decision I've ever made. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, part of that all intertwines with this story about food in my body that started when I was 17 years old. And I lived this life of comparison for most of my teenage years. And I think it's common. I always say, I think my story is mine, but I think there's so many common threads for what women experience. And I, to this day, I mean, I can go back and say, I thought about my thighs more than anything I ever thought about. Mm -hmm. School, family, anything. I mean, it was about the size of my thighs. And my family who loved me, who thought they were being, you know, joking and fun, said I had thunder thighs Mm -hmm. and that messaging did not leave Mm -hmm. that messaging. It's like, it got louder the older I got. And I can even remember, you know, in the height of my disordered eating in the height of this, like super focused on working out, it was all my, my, my thighs. Like I could not get them to the right place, to the perfect place. Mm -hmm. And I, part of my healing journey was tracing that back, tracing it all the way back to that label, to that comparison. Um, I always felt like, you know, I'm the bigger girl. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my legs are these big legs on this smaller size body yet. There's you know something wrong with me. So I started informally dieting at 17 senior in high school, skipping meals, drinking shakes, doing things like, well, if I just eat less, I'll eat less and I'll lose weight. Well, I know that we all know the opposite is what occurred because by the end of the day, almost every day I couldn't control myself around food. And that's when really that self-blame, self-judgment started. And I just, that cycle just stuck with me. The only time, or I should say the first time I can remember taking a break from that was when I was pregnant with my firstborn. And this is, again, this is kind of just part of this healing journey that God's brought me on Mm. is when he's shown me these things, like I didn't take a break from dieting from the age of 17 until I was 24. I did not even think about, I mean, it was always like, try this, do this. I was on the scale daily, most of my life. And it was when I got pregnant that I was like, oh, wait a minute, I can eat. Like, I'm just going to eat. At the time I was a fifth grade teacher <laughs> um, and I would pack lunch and eat school food. I was out of control, but gave myself full permission. Mm-hmm. Now things did settle down, you know, eventually, because that's kind of what happens as we know now, like in this part of the process, however, there was so much talk about my weight when I was pregnant, so much involvement and even more with the scale. And comments by a doctor started then about my weight and all of these things, you know, started kind of messing with everything I thought about my body, like heightening all those icky places. Now at the time, you know, I'm pregnant with my first one. I do, you know, love the Lord. I have this great relationship with my husband. Wonderful things are happening in my life. And it was like this moment of pause until right after I had her till right after I had this beautiful baby. I'm like, I've got to get moving. I've got to eat less. I've got to do, you know, all these things to get my body back. Oh my gosh. I'm going to air quote probably more times than anyone should. but I had to, you know, that whole mentality. I've got to get my body back, not take care of my baby, not get rest, not, you know, work on my emotional, spiritual, mental health. No, my whole focus was I've got to get my body back. Well, God had other plans. Let me tell you, we got pregnant with our second born. <laughs> when our first born was 10 months old. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing now because they're teenagers and I've made it through what I feel like is the thick of it, but it was at the time really hard. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't get my body back. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I didn't get to that place. And unfortunately that second pregnancy, I didn't feel so good and I lost weight and I was praised. As a pregnant woman for losing weight. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I'm going to get emotional. Like realizing what that did, like I can realize it now in the moment, I'm just like, woohoo, I'm not gaining weight. Mm -hmm. Like I see, I've got this leftover pregnancy weight. Again, I should be thinking about this baby and all these other things, right? And amazing going on, you know, and nope, I'm focused on my weight. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Okay. I got pregnant two more times. (laughs) We have four amazing healthy daughters. We do not take that lightly. They are all amazing miracles. You know, I had no issues with pregnancy, no issues having them, but I had four C-sections. So I'm about to drop something else here because that's a whole other like beast in and of itself because it changes your body when it's literally been cut open four times. And so my thighs were the focus. Well, now, so is this area that has been altered. It had these beautiful babies. And yet I was like, this this is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, this area needs to be smaller. It needs to be smaller. So I started working out after I had my fourth when she was about one. And I found like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like working out is fun. And then came the measurements, The program I had joined, you know, did body measurements, not just scale. I found myself buying a tape measure. I was obsessed starting then with the size of my body, like literally like minuscule measurements. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Over time, unfortunately, that developed into orthorexia. You know, I think you guys have kind of brought some of that to light here. And um, I, I like to... Highlight that wellness culture is is part of diet culture. Mm-hmm. This obsessive thoughts about health, and that's kind of what like it transformed that part of my story into a very unhealthy, disordered eating. Um, I want to say, thankfully, my kids were really small. I know my oldest remembers things: seeing mom constantly dieting, seeing mom not eating the same foods mm-hmm. they were eating but everything changed. Mm -hmm. I I hit, I hit a really ugly place, like a really, really ugly, um, dark place because it was never enough. Mm -hmm. I had really, like I said, gotten to this unhealthy mental place. I was working out about two to three hours every single day, six days a week. I did take off Sunday, thought that was somehow, you know, the right thing, but I was working out at least six days a week, two to three hours taking my kids to the gym, putting them in the childcare, you know, like, this is what mom's doing. Then I'd come home and they'd know I'd go for that walk. And I've, I got to get that cardio. And like, I was so obsessed with every macro, with everything I was eating. And then I hit a breaking point. i lost all this weight. And I literally can still see myself in my bathroom on that scale going, this is it. Like, this is, this is what I've been working for. And I don't, I don't feel different. I'm not happier. life's not, life Mm -hmm. is not better. Like, wait a minute. And it wasn't enough, but I couldn't maintain. Um, It was like another, another experience of being saved Mm -hmm. when it was like, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. My oldest, I give her all the credit in the world. She came up to me one day and said, mom, you are always tired. You take a nap like every day. What is going on? You want to be knocked off your socks and wake up that'll do it to you right there. So that changed. I had already read intuitive eating and I, I did what I think a lot of people do. They read that book and think, well, this is a great diet plan. Mm -hmm. And I actually built a business around that belief. Oh, you can intuitive eat and still lose weight. And, um, after that wake up call, I went back and read the book again and went, wait a minute, I got this all wrong. (laughs) Like I had it all wrong. This is not what this is about at all. I ended up pivoting not only my life, my entire business um, and pursued becoming an intuitive eating counselor and literally changed the trajectory of my life and the life of the four daughters that live in this house. Oh, that was like the longest version of that story I've probably ever given. How,
1: how do you like that? Love <laughs> the long version. <laughs> we live for the long <laughs>
2: version.
0: So much good stuff in there.
1: So where where was God through all of this? Where mm-hmm. was were you keeping God and body separate as many of us do, or were you praying for weight loss? What was kind of the connection there?
2: You know. I think the way I view my relationship with God is he tries to be like so gentle and whisper sometimes and, and subtle mm-hmm. until he knocks me over the head. Like I get that. <laughs> I need to be knocked over the head. I realize it. I wish I get the whisper. I had a friend who would come and work out with me. And one day she looked at me and said, I just want you to know that God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change your body. I was so angry with her and i let her like do not interrupt my transformation and i look back at it now and think oh oh you were trying to get a hold of me then
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it didn't happen and there's probably more more opportunities that gently came in mm-hmm. um i never prayed for weight loss i never prayed to stick with this i'm really a very type a like mm-hmm. person so i can become just super hyper focused anyway. And I'm a recovering perfectionist. I do know one of my faults. One of those things that I fall short of is I'm really good at tuning things out. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I'm in that focused place, so there could have been so many other ways, like my own husband telling me like, he loved me. It didn't matter. I mean, it didn't matter what my body looked like. He is so in love with me and he's proven that time and time again, but again, it didn't matter. The voices of everything else were trumping. God's voice for me. Mm -hmm. I was being praised. I'm I'm, I'm not exaggerating on a daily basis Mm -hmm. for my weight loss. My dear, sweet best friend sent me like a a congratulatory card and, you know, gift card to go buy clothes because I had lost weight. Mm -hmm. Like every day there was some sort of um, congratulatory acknowledgement, which for someone like me who does, you know, love words of affirmation. It was feeding that part Mm -hmm. of me. So I know God was speaking (laughs) gently (laughs) whispers and it wasn't until like the big, like, Oh, hello, wake up call, which Mm -hmm. I do believe came in the form of my oldest being like, mom, something's wrong with you. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. we're, we're not even napping over here. So yeah, I, I never detached myself from my relationship with the Lord I just tried to put it in a separate compartment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, so, so common. So the thing, right? Like, oh, God doesn't care about this.
2: Well, and and I think, I mean, there's a whole other community who can use the word to twist it and involve diet culture Mm -hmm. and body image issues and what we're supposed to look like and feed our body and all of this. Which, when you're already in a disordered eating, I always say, disordered eating is disordered thinking. Mm-hmm. So you're you're not thinking clearly. I'm telling you, you can read the intuitive eating book and think I can use this as a diet because your thinking is so disordered. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with the word, you know, right. that you can really twist anything when your thoughts are are disordered.
1: Mm-hmm. So your daughter kind of gave you this wake-up call, like literally, like, mom, wake up, stop napping. (laughs) literally. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And you went back and read the intuitive eating book and said, oh my gosh, like, not only did I get this wrong, but now I have like drug all these people along in my business in this wrong way. And oh my gosh, I have four daughters Mm -hmm. that I have been teaching this to. What did it sound like for you to make that pivot? What conversations did you have with your kids, with clients, with husband?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, first it sounded like a lot of tears mm-hmm. and a, and a lot of what am I going to do really calling out? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had never, I kept saying in my business, we don't focus on weight loss, but it could happen, you know, healthy habits. So I took a break from taking clients until I got my head straight, until I got myself straight. And that was what I needed to do to kind of step back and reevaluate for myself. And I was already in that healing journey. I said to myself, (laughs) self, stop saying any of this stuff out loud. Mm -hmm. All the negative body talk, the, all things about my kids were taking photos, progress photos of me. Oh my goodness all of it stopped. Mm-hmm. All of it stopped. Um, I had noticed that they, they didn't need a full conversation for the age that they were at at the time. They just needed me to change my language. Mm-hmm. So stop saying certain things and start saying and implementing other things like literally just the act of me eating what they were eating. Yeah. They noticed it at the time that I wasn't making a separate meal of, you know, bland chicken and spinach. I think when they noticed there's no more baby spinach in the house, they probably might've thought, well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mom's not walking around just eating spinach all day long, but it wasn't that there was set conversations because they were still young enough. It was just here's food mm-hmm. and mom's going to eat food. And then as they've gotten older, the conversations have gotten deeper. Mm -hmm. So three out of my four are teenagers. The the baby is a preteen. And this is now just an ongoing open conversation about food and body. Mm -hmm. Actually recently I had asked my kids, you know, what do we have for food rules? Because here I am teaching all of this. I've been doing this for a while now in the intuitive eating space. And I was like, I've never actually asked my kids from where I was to where we are am oldest again? <laughs> I just love this kid. Well, She's We're very close. She's very honest with me. And I just said, hey, I'm just curious, Like, what do we have for food rules in our house? And she looked at me like I was speaking a different language, which is fine. I, I preferred that. And she said, well, the only thing I can think of is if we have food left on our plate that we don't have to eat it. I cried. I cried my eyes out, not in front of her, because teenagers <laughs> don't really like when you lose it. But- I cried my eyes out. I really did. Um, One of my other kiddos said, I don't know, I guess we can eat whenever we're hungry because they can. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, (laughs) part of that healing journey is knowing it doesn't have to really necessarily be a sit down conversation. It doesn't have to be, Hey, you know, I'm no longer dieting and mom struggled with this. No, they knew it. They knew it, you know, just from watching it but the transformation of becoming an intuitive eater and saying like, we're intuitive eaters. Like actually that was the language. Mm-hmm. We're intuitive eaters. You know, if you're hungry, eat. If you're not, then they don't. Um, they're actually my best example. And they always have been, you know, I grew up with a clear your plate club. Most of us did, right? You know, we have all those messages and it was something when they were really little, like even then before I knew, like I just didn't like it because it, it just was such a trigger for me. And my kids, you know, have never been part of the clear your plate club. Mm -hmm. It's just never been a thing that I've passed on. And so I notice, you know, that if I just live as an example, right. Mm -hmm. Be the example. They're going to pick up on that as much as they picked up on all of the disordered eating. And like I said, as they're teenagers, I've had deeper conversations because what I've noticed as a mom Some things happen very organically that you just don't want to. You don't want your kids to struggle with body image. You don't want them to think about their thighs, right? Constantly. And so, those things, what I notice, even when you are raising intuitive eaters and they have very healthy body images, body images, yeah, that's the word I want to use, they still can have those thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think comparison is something that just comes, Mm -hmm. right? It's just, I don't want to say innate because that feels icky, but it just isn't this natural thing that we just kind of. Do. And it's been really beautiful to have these conversations now from a different perspective. Um, My kiddos, when I hear them talking confidently about themselves, when I hear them telling themselves that they look good, they're beautiful, they see that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not sitting there picking apart their body. And to me, I think those things go together, right? When you shift that language around food, those conversations can come easier around body image because they're so intertwined. Um and I was so focused on my body that for them to even not focus on their body so much is like oh another win, another huge win.
0: I'm so encouraged by just your your story and your example with with kids. I mean even teens Especially like getting them to <laughs> do anything that's countercultural, frankly, it's a bit of a miracle. Like,
2: I mean, yeah, it feels that way, it really doesn't. You know, what's great is when you have this kind of environment of that ongoing open door conversation, when they hear things out there, <laughs> they can bring them into our conversation, mm-hmm. and in, even if it's just to share because they're processing that because they hear girls, just like I did, you know, picking apart their body saying, I can't eat that, you know, Oh, well, I shouldn't have that. Those kind of shouldn't. Oh my goodness. That one word, like, I shouldn't have that. They are able to like continually process that out loud in this space, which again, I don't have all the answers all the time. You know, I wish I did. Wouldn't that be great. But Mm -hmm. what I do have is the ability to step back, look at the bigger picture and listen. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's what I do with my clients too, right? So Mm -hmm. much of it is being able to, yeah, process those thoughts and those feelings that we're having about it, which are valid to Mm -hmm. feel everything that they're feeling.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a really good distinction there of like, and I think it's very empowering to people. I think something we've noticed a lot uh, people are very hesitant to have those hard conversations. And what I'm hearing you say, Jen, is that you're just... Creating a safe space for your kids to talk that out, yeah, themselves and to process it, and you can listen it. And you don't need to have the examples; you just need to be safe for them to speak to, and you can listen and kind of process with them. And I think um, something that I always experience when somebody else is processing something that maybe I've processed in the past is you just kind of get to go. Um, deeper on that with your level. Cause you're kind of holding space for them to understand something that you're understanding, but maybe you needed to be reminded of whatever that was that day. So I just think it's this beautiful thing where we're like learning from children, but you're yes. also like, I, I don't know, I, I'm not a mother, so I can't speak into that learning.
2: No, I think you're actually hitting it right on the nail on the head there, because I have said from the beginning, they've been my greatest teachers. I mean, for so many things, but my kid, I mean, we're born, I believe we are created and born intuitive eaters. It's not until things come in and mess it up. And unfortunately, sometimes that's the parent for me. it mm-hmm. was, I mean, that was what, where I was headed with my own children and I love my mom, but that's definitely what, you know, her body image issues, her diet culture, like that was so in her head came into my head, right? Mm-hmm. So those things are <laughs> though. <laughs> Those things are happening, but they also are not permanent. Mm -hmm. You know, I say this stuff is learned. If it's learned, we can unlearn it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we unlearn things by talking them out, by processing, by having a safe space to go to, you know, whether that's in a client relationship or just with our kids. And I, Mm -hmm. I mean... My mentor told me a long time ago, it doesn't happen until 9 PM. I'm going to tell you right now, that's when it happens in my room at 9 PM, when they've decided they're ready to talk is when they come in and those deeper conversations can happen. I mean, sometimes they happen in the kitchen, right? When they're deciding what to eat, when they're done and they're like, well, what do I do with the food on my plate? And I'm walking them through that process without them really knowing that's this is what I do with my clients. Well, what, what are your options? Like, what could you do with it? You could save it here on the counter and come back if you feel hungry later. You could put it in a container to have tomorrow. or, well, my mom's going to hear this, maybe you could throw it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a lot of work I had to do if I ever threw food away <laughs> personally. <laughs> so, you know, they kind of work through that. And it's amazing to watch them do it. I mean, there's really there's not a lot of processing for that part anymore. Like my daughter literally, just last night, she's like, oh, I overshot. Like the salad is, she made this like big salad because I had grilled chicken. She's like, ooh, this is really good. She was also praising her amazing salad, which y'all, <laughs> y'all. Um, she was so, you know, like, this is so delicious, but she's like, ooh, I overshot. This is just too much. She's like, I don't know what you know what I want to do with it. I'm like, well, you could just put it in the fridge and have it tomorrow. She's like, oh, good idea. It's in the container. I mean, in the fridge, that's, I mean, this is normal and natural for a house. It took time to get here. But one of my missions, this is, I'm going to tell you what I feel like God has really bestowed upon my heart is to dismantle diet culture for future generations. Like I am here to stop diet culture in its tracks that you don't have to pass that on. And when I see that happening, I believe fully in my heart, it will not be. I speak that like over my kids, but I also, we, this is what we're walking out. This is going to stop right here, right now. And what's really interesting as I went through this journey, you know, I was talking to my husband about kind of what I was going through and what was so amazing is how much he related to my struggles. Like it wasn't something he really talked about, but, you know, we've known each other for a really, really long time. And I'm still always fascinated the things that like we uncover and how much diet culture was present in his life that he just naturally carried over to, you know, just things that it was Mm -hmm. like, that's how it always was. You couldn't even get, I mean, he Mm -hmm. got punished. You could not get up from the table if you didn't eat everything. I mean, heck he had an order of food that he had to eat it then. So, like we worked through those things, and I'm like, just watch what happens. One of our kids actually went through some health struggles and through puberty put on um noticeable weight gain, which is very normal. Let me just say that again. It is normal through puberty to gain weight. Our bodies are meant to change. This is not a bad thing, And I know, The immediate concern, like the external concern, not mine, even my husband's was, oh my gosh, she's gaining this weight. She's going to struggle. There's something wrong. And he was worried she was going to struggle with what he struggled with, feeling like he was in this large body. And I'm like, wait, pause, hold on. We're going to approach this completely differently. We're not going to say a thing. We're not going to talk about her weight. I went to her doctor's appointment, you know, her wellness check. And I told the doctor, we're not discussing this. We're not discussing this. We don't need to know her weight. We're not going to talk BMI for her. I believe that she's going through puberty. So I just want to pause because I don't want her to carry these messages. It was a bold move. I know it was a bold move, but I have to tell you best move I've ever made. Because our pediatrician since then with all of my children does not discuss their weight. They don't look at the scale. None of it is in the conversation with them. Now they get weighed for whatever, because my kids, I actually let them make that empowered choice that just no one. we just don't know what the weight is. I don't know. Cause it's not my business to know anyway. So we walked mm. through that season and what happened over the course of, her, of a year was what happens. We backed off. We didn't say you shouldn't be eating this. We didn't try to change her diet. We didn't say you need to exercise more. We allowed her body to do what it naturally does. And what happened was she has a better relationship with her own body, I believe, because we didn't interfere trying to send these other messages that there was something wrong with what her body was doing.
0: Oh, that is
1: so powerful.
0: I'm just... So good. Yeah, I I really appreciate it being a puberty story because Mm. that is just a massive wound for most women in our community. I would say something happened with your body and puberty that started this trajectory. So I love how that was a complete, like countercultural, compassionate approach to this is what we're doing.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I love I, I mean, that. No, no, I, <laughs> I just want to be clear too. It didn't feel easy at the time too. Like, yeah. it feels like you're bucking the system. Mm-hmm. It feels like you are going against the norm, which you are, Mm -hmm. right? But I am grateful. I know not all pediatricians are as amazing as ours, but she really did respect the boundary I was setting Mm -hmm. because ultimately I do believe these children are my responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have all these other people, whether it's youth pastors or mentors in their life, the pediatrician, their dentist, whatever, all these other people that contribute. But ultimately Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm the one who has to stand up (laughs) and account for You know, raising these children. So for me, oh, and it has been again, it has been a long term benefit of having set that boundary so many years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like setting that boundary doesn't feel easy. Like there there is like this vulnerable moment of like I'm putting myself out there and I also don't want to offend you. And I mean, and that has come for me like I have boys and I still ca- like I care very much about what we're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um preschool teachers just like, hey, you know, I like I know you guys are gonna talk about like healthy eating and like you're sitting with him during mealtime. So here are like his responsibilities at mealtimes and your responsibilities at mealtimes. And these are the boundaries. And like, you know, he is in charge of if he eats Mm -hmm. and what he eats and how much he eats. You are in charge of saying it's lunchtime. Yeah. It's, it's
2: it's so interesting when um, my, so my kids are homeschooled. I I didn't mention that, but they've been homeschooled their whole life. And so when we have these unique opportunities, my youngest is at camp right now Mm -hmm. and there's a set time for eating and they're like, you have to eat. So she was messaging me on a friend's phone today, even like, I'm not hungry. What do I do? She needed some help yeah. walking through that. So it kind of gave her some tools she could use in there, but I am not, well, you have to eat. Mm-hmm. Like I want my kids to trust their body. It's something I didn't have until I was, oh, I was close to 40. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a long time to not trust your own body. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure at some point, very young, I did. But there's so much time I didn't that it's hard to connect with that part until now. And I don't want them to have that disconnect part like, you know, so here's what you can do to help even convey that trust Mm -hmm. to convey. I do know what's best. And I think that's difficult for parents. You know, the, the main question I usually get is, well, I make this food and what if they don't eat? Mm hmm. So (laughs) that's something we have to work through because there have been times we've sat down to eat and my kids are like, I'm not hungry. I know I have a choice in that moment of what to do. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they don't like it. They're telling me they're not hungry, but you know, as I always hear from other moms, but in 20 minutes, they'll be hungry. Mm -hmm. So one question I love to ask is how do you know? Like, how do you know you're not hungry? Or how do you know you're done? Like, how do you know you're full, right? There's a lot of parents, well, they said they were full and then 20 minutes later, they wanted a snack. I'm like, yeah, can you just imagine like if we really fully understood how much our body was going through as you know, children and teens and changing in our brain and this development and all of this where it's like, I literally think I'm full, but I am 20 minutes later hungry again, that we start checking in with our body, even that young. Well, what, what is your body telling you? Mm-hmm. Oh well it feels like it's it's talking again you know it's grumbling growling sounds like a hunger signal they can't stop thinking about food like they really want something else sounds like you are this happens frequently mm-hmm. i'd say more frequently when they were younger as we were kind of i was learning and they were learning what's your body saying what does mm-hmm. it need right now my kids taught me about satisfaction so principle 6 right well i call it principle 6 i know it could land somewhere else for people they taught me that When you eat food that is bland and boring, you're going to want something else. (laughs) They're so good at like acknowledging how satisfaction plays a role in what they're eating. They want to enjoy their food. You know, I don't, of course I've watched these four toddlers, right? wear their food. I mean, wear their food because they loved it so much. They couldn't get enough of it. It's all over them. And they're smiling while they're eating. And I always say like, I'm not saying as adults, that's how we need to show up to eat. But what if we had that same enjoyment when we ate food and my kids are still that way today? Like I might make something they don't love. So they are seeking satisfaction. So they they might eat, but still want a little something else later. And again, as long as they're, they are hearing and trusting their body, who am I to say? Mm-hmm. And so now we're in this new season, right? Cause they're teenagers where they, they really do know, like, this is what my body's saying. I'm hungry or I'm not. And I'm, I, I trust it. I don't, they don't question it. Amazing. I love that. They don't question. This is what my body is saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, that's so good. That's I'm, so I'm, you're describing that um, simplicity and trust and enjoyment. And I'm, I'm also it's making me think of like childlike faith as well, mm-hmm. like just how connected they are with their bodies when it hasn't been disrupted. And um, I've always loved that parallel and in intuitive eating um, with learning from children and then how as believers that has relevance for our faith as well. That's so
2: good. From so good. So yeah. good. Yeah, that's so so good. I mean, honestly, they don't have, they don't start off with the messages. Their mind is clearer. Their heart is more open. You know. Mm-hmm. So I I love that, and I think if we do step back and watch. And if you don't have kids, I would say, if you don't have them, find some kids to watch. I mean, someone <laughs> out there might have kids. Maybe it's nieces and nephews. Actually, I have a lot of women who are grandmothers that I work with. And they are like, I can't. I, I may have passed this on. They struggle with that. Pass this on to my children. But I don't want to pass it on to my grandkids. And they're, I'm like, watch them. Because they intuitively know. And they're learning from their grandchildren. I mean, heck you could go, to, you know, hang out with your girlfriend. Maybe she has kids and you just watch these kids and they it, it always blows my mind. Cause I'm like, they just know, I would say my kids, you know, they would throw food on the floor when they were done. This is little babies. Nobody, no teenagers are throwing food on the floor. They would throw food on the floor. And it, you know, it's like cute and funny until it's a mess, but they were done. Yeah. Their Lips were pursed. They knew. And I'm like, what if we, what if we went back to that? what if we just knew, like, I'm good. Like that, that is something that I strive for. Like, am I that connected? I just know, and I don't question it anymore. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So Jen, can you talk us through a little bit more, um, just maybe a big picture or daydreaming, whatever big ideas you have for dismantling diet culture for future generations, like what work do we need to be doing as moms, as women, as mentors, and people who have children in our lives? Like, what's this um, yeah. big picture vision you've got here?
2: How do yeah. we do that? Well, I think it starts with healing your relationship with food yourself, period. Like that, to me, is like if you if you haven't done that part, it's hard to do everything else. And that really, for me, it starts with finally saying no more dieting no more striving for some image of our body that is not is not glorifying in any way to god like this is not some godly you know attribute and characteristic but that we need to draw a line in the sand and say okay if i can't accept my body right now cuz why do we diet right why are we doing this it's because of our body that is why we're doing it may what can i do today to show it respect I think we want to jump to acceptance and gratitude, and oh, I can love my arms and how they can hug. And I actually don't even start there. It's how can I show my body respect? And it might be I eat breakfast today. That that might be the one way you can. I put on clothes that feel comfortable today. So doing the work for yourself is so important. And then, as you're doing that work, like I said, you don't have to sit down with your kiddos and have these in-depth, you know, conversations. If you feel led to apologize, which I have done when this things, certain things, I feel like I've been called to say, I'm sorry. I had you take these photos. Like that's happened. You know, if that, if you feel called that I need to just bring this, you know, for healing,
1: Yeah.
2: I think then, then go with the calling. But I do think you can just say, okay, today, as best I can, I'm not going to use diet talk, Mm -hmm. negative body talk in my home Mm -hmm. today, as best I can. Mm -hmm. And the times that you do, because we do, especially early on in that journey, I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to have compassion for myself and remind myself, this is a journey that I'm Mm -hmm. on. I'm not going to get it right every time, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to use that as an opportunity to say, all right. I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn tomorrow. I'm going to try this again. And it just builds from there. So if I had, if you have to start somewhere, that's always my recommendation. You, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I work with moms specifically, it really is. They, they ask, they, they want to heal their relationship with food because they know I'm passing this on because they know that's what's happening. So we have to do the work on our thoughts and our beliefs about food and our body before we can do anything else. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, totally agree.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I really like what you're saying, you know, that yes, conversations are going to happen and some conversations need to happen, but this isn't like this big conversation or you don't have to be talking about body acceptance and intuitive eating every day in your house. Um, it's often just changing the narrative in your house. Yes. So the way you're behaving and the way you're talking and the way you're acting and, you know, I, we're kind of in a situation we live with Um, two other adults my husband's aunt and uncle we all live together and it's this beautiful wonderful village and um, they all my preaching about body and food and things you know like they don't get me they don't get it Um, (laughs) they try hard they try hard but they there's often like comments about my uncle's fat belly or whatever, and they're not necessarily negative, but they, they have that like negative, you know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily saying something negative, but like the implication is that there's something wrong with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I have found, you know, I don't even have to correct them or say like, I don't even have to do anything in that way like all I have to do is like hey buddy like we know there's nothing wrong with a fat belly or uncle we love your fat belly or you know what I have a fat belly too after I had the baby and I love my fat belly like just that kind of stuff talking about that kind of stuff and I notice it So quickly, the shift of if someone's kind of putting a negative connotation on a body thing, how quickly my son will pick that up. Mm. And if I just correct it with a, hey, fat bellies are awesome. There's nothing wrong with a fat belly or whatever. They say, oh, okay, yeah. And then like he'll go with that. So, you know, it's often just painting a different picture. Mm. Just paint a different picture.
2: Yeah. And again, this is all learned. Yeah. Everything that we struggled with is something we learned, which yeah. again, the teacher in me reminds you. Yeah. <laughs> you can unlearn that. I assure yeah. you, I have unlearned algebra 2, geometry, all of it cuz when my kids need help, I'm like, I I'm sorry, I really am. You can unlearn anything. Yeah. It might take a lot more time than unlearning algebra 2, but the end result and the end result is wonderful. If you want to call it an end result, but the journey, the process, I, I like myself more. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. Like I don't like, I'm just okay with it. And I'm okay with having days that don't feel so great. Yeah. Whether it's a bad hair day or a bad body image day, I actually accept that's part of Living. That's part of the mm-hmm. human experience that mm-hmm. you know, not every day, which is why i'm I'm not like this big proponent of the body positivity movement. Like if you want to love your body and I think ultimately that'd be so great. But what if you were just like, this is my body mm-hmm. as fact and neutral as you possibly can be, and that maybe you're okay just being there. And again, I move from respect to accept, then to gratitude. If you go beyond that, oh yes! I mean, I, I celebrate it. I do. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we always have to get there to be okay. We can yep. actually just be mm-hmm. okay with, well, today <laughs> I'm putting the leggings. You get a loose t-shirt, and I'm I'm okay today. That's yeah. where I am. Yeah,
1: so good. Except. I really <laughs> like that journey. Yeah. Respect, accept,
2: mm-hmm.
1: gratitude. gratitude.
2: And if you go beyond again, I I think we've just, I think wellness culture has co-opted body positivity
0: and another thing
2: that's been twisted that we have to, you know, love our body. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'm called to love my body, but I am called to show it respect Mm -hmm. each day and I get to ch- like decide, like showing it respect today was making sure I get water in. I had something to eat, you know, before hanging out with you ladies, um, because I wanted to feel good mm-hmm. in my body today. And I put something on that was really comfortable. Cause I'm gonna be sitting at my desk, you know, mm-hmm. for hours. So I want to choose to feel comfortable in my body today. That's how I'm showing it respect.
0: Mm, so good. I love that. I love the um, unpacking of some of those terms, because I think um, they're readily available to find online and it can be very confusing. And it's got the whole label thing, you know. Um, so just breaking it down for what are we really talking about with this and what does this mean? And what does it look like when we're talking about acceptance and respect yeah. of our bodies? I really appreciate you clarifying exactly what you mean by that. So it's um, so helpful.
2: Oh, I'm so glad, you know, and it's something that just was on my heart because I had so many women coming to me, striving for, well, I need to love my body. Why? Like, I mean, if you want, if you get to that place and I do know women and there's, I'd say there's some days I do, Mm -hmm. but if that's the end goal, you believe that's your end goal and you feel like you're failing, Mm -hmm. is that serving you? I always, one of my favorite questions, is this helpful or harmful? Mm -hmm. Like, and I always go back to principle one, you know, if you're struggling with something, let's go back there. Is this a diet thought? Is this helpful or is this harmful? And if we decide this is harming, it actually is harming me. I'm feeling less than I'm feeling like a failure. I'm feeling like I'm not worthy. I'm feeling like there's something wrong with me. Then we probably need to evaluate that thought. And Mm -hmm. again, the beauty is (laughs) the way our brains were created. Mm-hmm. we we actually can do the work to change those thoughts which changes how we feel which changes how we show up in the world mm-hmm. oh, like literally it makes me exhale cuz that process is so freeing when we talk about food freedom you know within the context of intuitive eating that's the freedom part it's like you're literally not consumed with all of these thoughts, all of the time, taking all this brain space. I have a lot of other things I'd like to think about. A lot of other things I'd love to give my time, my energy, my gifts and my talents to, that when it was so consumed with thoughts of my body and food, everything else suffered. Mm -hmm. Everything else, as a parent, as a wife, as a volunteer, as um, I was, at the time I was working outside of the home for our church, like everything suffered because of the consumption of my thoughts Mm -hmm. in diet culture. And when I started asking that question, is this helpful or harmful? I'm like, dang it. (laughs) All of these are harmful. (laughs) 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 I need to do some work here.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's so good. Jennifer, I know people are going to want to connect with you. So how do they get in touch with you? Where can they find you?
2: Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm an Instagram girl. Like I like hanging out on there and you can find me Jennifer underscore health coach, the number four that's for my four daughters life <laughs> um and i have a website too which has tons of free resources which is healthcoachforlife.com i did that for to honor those sweet girls of mine because this is my mission um even if it was just for them <laughs> to dismantle diet culture so on instagram my website I also have a podcast, which is health life and more for women, you know, in previous seasons, I'm actually in season, I'm finishing up season three right now. I've covered a lot of topics, had a lot of guests talks about all sorts of things, but season three and moving forward has all been devoted to intuitive eating. So health life and more for women is my podcast would love to have um, you join me on there as well.
0: Yeah, we will put links to all that so everybody can click real easy and come find you and listen And I think it's time to wrap up with our quick questions. Our classic um,
2: is coffee or tea and how do you take it? Oh, that's not even a question. It's always coffee. (laughs) And right now I'm really into some almond creamer. I've just been really into that. And it has to be hot. The hotter, the better.
1: Excellent. Oh, your kids are probably at the age that you can have hot coffee. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and and I can drink it before they even get up.
1: Yeah. Hold yourself oh. there. <laughs> it's a game changer. <laughs> I'm not gonna wish my life away, but that will be a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then you can even have a kid who sits and drinks coffee with you. I tell you oh, what. Was it was sweet. my heart when they were babies. Someday, one of these kids, I do have a kiddo who would sit and have a cup of coffee with me now because she's, you know, old enough and enjoys it, though she likes it a heck of a lot sweeter than I do, but I'll yeah. still sit and enjoy. She'll <laughs> drink hers cold, I'll have mine hot and life is good.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so wonderful. Um, okay. Grocery order pickup. Can you do it? Can you allow somebody to pick out your produce?
2: I've tried it. I hate it. I don't do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I respect that.
2: <laughs> I gave it a shot. I think try things on. See if it works for you. Uh-huh. And then I'm just like, this is, is this helpful or harmful? This is harming my mental state. I'm not getting what I want. I just am gonna get in the grocery store.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love it. Um, do your girls cook with you?
2: Um, not as much anymore, but they've all had their turn in the kitchen mm-hmm. and now they cook for themselves. Okay, I only cook dinner in this house, even though they're all home. Most of the time, they all pretty much take care of their own stuff for breakfast and lunch. Um, and some like to bake. So I yeah, understand. not as much anymore when they were little, we yeah. did a
1: lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your go-to meal right now?
2: Oh, my go-to meal right now is um, I I taught myself how to cook on our smoker. So right now, because it's so hot, I'm in Arizona. And when I say so hot, I mean like melt your face off hot. I will actually grill barbecue chicken thighs on there. And then I can have them for the week. I'll like chop them up. I'll have them with a side or in a salad. So right now, like everything has to just be cooked outside or my house will be unpleasant to say the least. Mm -hmm
1: what's on your nightstand right now?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Gosh, I wish I had it in front of me. Cause I have a new book, um, that I actually can't remember the name of it right now. Cause I just started it. I have a back scratcher, like an extendable back scratcher. Cause I'm, oh, and now my dogs are barking, um, because I have really short arms and I have my charger for my phone, which I put on do not disturb every night. And, um, A pen. I don't know why I have a pen. I never write anything down, but it's there.
1: (laughs) It's there, just in case. I love it. I love it. And favorite place to vacation?
2: Oh, the big island. We've been twice to the big island of Hawaii, and it is probably the most peaceful, beautiful place I've ever been. If I could just sit there, me and my hubby on a white sand beach, listening to the ocean. Oh. Oh, y'all, heaven on earth,
1: Hawaii. (laughs) I love it. Well, Jennifer, it has been awesome getting to know you a little bit today. And I feel like we could have many, many more long conversations. And I know people are going to absolutely love this episode. Just such good information.
2: Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to even share this piece of my story. I'm really honored. And um, I could probably like you all talk about this all day, every day. Mm -hmm. I'm so passionate about this work. Yeah, it shows. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Would you, uh, would you close us in prayer? I would be honored to. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to, to bless other women with the truth, to bless other women with an opportunity to to go within to to look deeper and to grow in faith that god you created our bodies perfect that you created us in your image and sometimes we just need that reminder Father God, I pray that every word that was spoken here would just glorify you, that it would reach the women that need to hear this message. Father, we pray over our children, the children of, of listeners, Lord, our my children, our children here, that they would not be negatively affected by diet culture, that those women who desire to stop diet culture in its tracks in their home, Father God, they would feel empowered right in this moment, Lord, that they know how to start and that it would end with them. We give you all the glory, Lord, Father God, for all the work that you're already doing in the hearts and minds of those here. Amen. Amen.
0: This episode of intuitive eating for Christian women was brought to you by our membership program. Are you looking for support and sisterhood? If you're surrounded by people who are still stuck in diet culture and don't understand that you're trying to break free, you do not have to do this intuitive eating thing alone. We all need support and sisterhood to walk this out. So come link arms with us and other women and feel empowered and equipped to follow Jesus on this path. If you're ready to invest in your faith-based intuitive eating journey and invest in relationships with like-minded Christian women, then join us in the membership. You can learn more and join at intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. Thanks for listening.